America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hey, good morning, everybody. Today is not only a great day, it's a worldwide great day. My name's Stu Turley, President and CEO of the Sandstone Group, and I'm here with our guest from Copenhagen, Thomas Jan. Thomas, thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. Thank you for having me. And I'll tell you, I, I've been following you on LinkedIn and some of your other articles and stuff, and you're the an entrepreneur, electrical engineer, You've got patents. Um, you're the chairman and board and co-founder of Copenhagen Atomics. Thank you very much for stopping by. You're welcome. Uh, what do you got going on with uh, Copenhagen Atomics? Tell us what's going on there. Yes, so it started more than 10 years ago. We, we heard the story that there is this element thorium that you can use to make energy. Back then, I must be honest to say that I, I, I didn't fully understand the difference between thorium and uranium and how right. I knew, of course, that you could make energy from uranium in nuclear reactors, but I didn't fully get the difference and the possibilities with thorium. But there was a lot of hype on the Internet back then. And right. in the very beginning, when I first read about it, I, I didn't believe in it. I just pushed it away and, and thought it was some some rumor on the Internet with the, <laughs> it was wrong. Right. Uh, but then uh, I, I started actually reading up on it. I, I'm, the, I'm a technology guy. I'm an engineer. I love to uh, sort of understand technology and physics and how things work. So I, I started reading about this thorium energy. And, and the more I read about it, the more I got sort of involved. And I, I, I thought, I got to find out if this is true or not. It, it sounds too good to be true. I need to find out. And then I went to some uh, international conferences about nuclear energy and, and one about thorium energy in particular. And I had a chance to ask all the, uh, the experts there. There were, there were PhDs in nuclear engineering and people who right. were very eager about thorium energy. And I asked them questions. And when I came home from that conference, right. I realized that this is definitely not a hoax. I mean, all the things they said, it made sense. You know, and they right. said, like, if I asked three different per persons, they said the same, they gave the same answer. So I knew they... That, that there was something here. And then um, I had the great fortune that there was one guy in Denmark, uh, sort of an uh, older guy, uh, who had worked on the molten salt reactor experiment in Oak Ridge in the 60s. Uh, yeah. And by chance, I got connected with him. He's a professor at the, tech, uh, the Technical University of Denmark. Uh, so I went to talk to him and he said, yeah, 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 we did all these experiments in the 60s and 70s and it it absolutely works. There's no problems. And I, I was not very good at chemistry. So I had many questions about chemistry i asked them to him and other people and and they explained to me yeah, yeah it is possible and i was like okay so we we have sort of an energy source that is almost unlimited and it costs almost nothing why, why are we not doing it and and long story short then i i i met with some people who had the same opinion and we ended up starting a company and and here we are sort of eight years later uh and um and now we're building the first reactor uh first molten salt thorium based reactor uh, and I believe that I believe we're the only company in the world building a thorium molten salt reactor right now. Uh, right. China has a um, government-sponsored program where, where they are also building one. Uh, however, that one in China is a little bit different from the one we are making. Now, 
Tell me a little bit, because uh, we have fusion, we have fission, and then I, you know, because we all understand that you can take nuclear, you get it, and then, you know, my head explodes because I believe in getting the lowest cost power to everybody on the planet. Let's elevate everybody out of poverty. And this one, when you were talking about thorium, it's plentiful. It's not like uranium. Can you tell us a little bit about that and where you are in the development stage on this reactor? Because this is cool. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, so uh, so back in the Manhattan Project and also all the nuclear reactors we've built since then, um, right. they more or less all of them run on what is called uranium-235, right. which is a particular isotope of uranium that is very rare uh, in nature. We can find it in nature, but then... Uh, it's mixed with another isotope of uranium-238 so that it, it's really difficult to make a nuclear reactor run. It is possible, but it's, it's not ideal. And therefore, we have a technology called enrichment, which was developed all the way back during the Manhattan Project. And almost all the reactors we've built since then use this enriched uranium where you, you, tr you try to upgrade it so that it has more of this uranium-235. Um, and it works well. I mean, there's there's more than a thousand reactors if you include the military uh, reactors, and most of them has worked really well. Uh, there's been a few accidents, but if you compare it to other industries, it's it, it's really a, a minor issue. Um, and uh, that's uranium. And right. and then how is thorium different? And actually, the truth is that they also found out during the Manhattan Project in 1942, they found out that you could also split. Uh, well, you can upgrade thorium to become uh, something called uranium-233, right. which you can also fission and, and get a lot of energy. Right. But this uranium-233 does not exist in nature, so it has to be man-made, and we make it from thorium. So we get thorium in, in nature, and then we upgrade thorium in a reactor uh, to uranium-233, and then we fission that. And that is a much better fuel than uranium-235 or even any right. of the other fuels. Um, so, so this is why thorium is, is better is because you can actually, uh, you can use fuel more efficiently. And what we have developed in Copenhagen Atomics is, is a unique type of uh, nuclear reactor uh, where it is possible to take uh, discarded fuel or spent fuel from all the old type of reactors. And then we can take that fuel and get 10 times more energy out of it. And even at the same time, it, it also becomes less of a radioactive problem. You know, uh, spent fuel from old reactors uh, usually needs to be stored for 10,000 years or 100,000 years. Um, but when we have sort of extracted more energy out of it in the Copenhagen Atomics waste burner, uh, it only needs this to be stored for 300 years. Talk about green. You're going to have no carbon. You're going to be able to use old atomic waste. Holy smokes, this is a this is a home run for energy. It is, it is. And if you think about all the energy that all these old reactors have now created for, you know, 60 years, uh, right. we can make 10 times as much energy out of the waste that are lying around right now and nobody knows what to do about it. So, I mean, the 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 reactors we, we had in the past, they of course only supply roughly 5% of global energy. Right. But now that we can get 10 times more energy out of it, the same fuel, which we already, we've already done the mining. We, I mean, we still need to right. mix it with thorium, but thorium is actually very, very plentiful. So it's, it's not a problem. And then we can get a huge amount of energy out of it. And, and here's the next thing that, that really made me uh, um, want to build these reactors is that right. the, the thorium-based reactors is actually a lot easier to build than these classical nuclear reactors 
The, right. the classical nuclear reactors are always really, really big buildings and they're right. expensive to make and it takes you know 10, tier, 10 years sometimes to construct one and, right. and they use very expensive equipment inside. Uh, right. But these thorium reactors can be built much easier. We as a company, we plan to build one every day. So we can make it a sem assembly no line production. Way. Yeah, so one every day. One a day? Yep. So, so it's- Where do it's I sign up? I want one in my backyard. <laughs> yeah, well, it's still a nuclear reactor, so you won't get one in your backyard. Um, but but it's, it's, it just tells you, it's, a, it's an energy on a completely different scale than what yes. we're used to. Um, now, these are modular, new, or they, I'm hearing all these terms out there. So this is a yeah. small modular nuclear reactor. Is that the proper term for that? Yeah, there's, there's a few terms that okay. uh, I would like to explain. And one of them is small modular reactors. Okay. Uh, that term comes in sort of a, a, a group of terms, which is sort of a, sometimes called classical reactors or, right. or large light water reactors or pressurized water reactors. And then in the other end of the scale, there's something called micro reactors, which is supposed yeah. to be even more tiny than the modular reactors. Okay. The, what is called small modular reactors, the, the thinking behind that term when it was developed in right. I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, was that uh, you're supposed, instead of building one big reactor at a site, right. then you build, you build a reactor in some modules in a factory, and then you ship those modules to the site, mm -hmm. and then you assemble the modules. Got it. Uh, but what we do in Coming Atomics is we build the whole, all the nuclear parts, all the radioactive parts in one box, which is the size of a 40 foot shipping container. So it's only one module. <laughs> and then we ship that to the plant, but it's, it's correct that where, where you have the plant where you generate electricity, you still need a, a steam turbine and a boiler and some other equipment. So you could say it's, it's still part of this idea with a small modular reactor, but in this no. case, the whole radioactive part is one module. That is so good for safety, mm -hmm. for containment, for quality control. You're not having, you have a quality control. And I'm just sitting here thinking about this from a production standpoint. You can control the quality. You can control everything and enclose it and then ship it to each location. This is brilliant. I'm sorry for complimenting you. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, this is what we're working on and we... To be honest, we are also really proud that we were able to develop this technology and we've gotten very far. We started, like I said, eight years ago. And I have to remind you that it's uh, it's kind of difficult to start a startup company in the nuclear business uh, and and you know just decide that we want to build nuclear reactors. It's 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 not something you see every day. And there there's roughly there's roughly 20 other companies out there trying to build nuclear reactors, and you right. can sort of characterize those as startup companies. Uh, right. uh, some of them have very significant funding. One of them, for example, have funding from Bill Gates and, and Warren Buffett. So it's a, a, a different type of, type of startup. Uh, doesn't this make sense, though, that you're, you're at the right place at the right time? The energy crisis in the EU and UK and around the world has been caused by bad energy policies trying to force to renewable when renewable wasn't totally ready. I, I believe that we should get there. Hmm. It's not a matter of if we should or shouldn't add carbon, let's get rid of the pollution on the planet. Hmm. But, you know, um, do you think that the uh, Germany, I believe, just this past week said that they're going to start looking at nuclear again? 
and it's because of ah, the, the in Germany there's some people who want to look at oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think it's a government decision yet uh, but but it is true that originally they were supposed to close their last free reactors this year and they have right. now I, I think they have decided to continue to run them for some time I don't think they fully agree how long they should continue to run right. them and there are people in Germany who want they have free reactors that they stopped last year and they want to restart those this for this winter to make sure they have enough energy for the winter. And yep. I think there's a there's a high likelihood that they will start those free reactors again. But but I don't think it's a government decision yet. Um, but okay. of course, uh, let's see. But you know, this is so cool because the timing may be perfect for you. Mm. If you sit back and kind of look, we need um, energy in all forms in order to get the economies going and we don't need to print money and all that. But this seems like, you know, we're printing so much money in the U S I wish we could print a lot of money for you. <laughs> Cause yeah, I mean, it, uh, this makes sense to me. Yeah. But you know, it's um, when you look at the human history, uh, I mean, we, yeah. we develop new technology and really for me, technology is the thing that sort of changes the human condition over millennia. It, yes. You know, every every ten years or so, we get a new technology that is uh, that really has a positive impact on on humanity. I, I, you know, right. at some point we had the airplane or the car or the TV right. or the telephone, the internet or the microcontroller, and now right. you know we, we are really proud at Coming Atomics that we are we are part of a group of people who are bringing the, a new technology to the stage, which I think will be just as important as television and, and the car and the airplane. This is so cool because back in 1977, I read a stupid little high school paper about uh, the difference between fusion and fission. I, I found it the other day. Believe it or not, I'm incredibly old and I found that old paper and I was like, I was truly an idiot. But that was the best we had that knowledge back then because fusion would have been the mecca and the world of getting everything there. But yeah. I love this idea of your reactor being able to use the spent fuel. That to me seems like it's just, th this is cool. Yeah, we, we need to, we need what? to get it online. And that we, that's also why we are building a reactor. I mean, I, I mentioned before that there are 20 companies around the world. Right. I think only one or two of them are building a reactor right now. The rest of them are sort of making what we call paper designs and, and studies yeah. and write how documents. Away, how many years away do you think you are without breaking any non non-disclosure <laughs> yeah yeah i mean we that that's pretty uh, uh official i mean this year we will start testing the reactor uh with the uh, non-radioactive salts nice. that's sort of one of the first steps and then next year we will test it with the thorium salt and then we expect to get the approvals to start running the reactor with real chain reactions in 2025 so that's sort of free free that's years not away. long no and then, but that that reactor in 2025, that is a sort of a test reactor. It's not a full sure. production reactor. Then we expect to be able to ship the first 10 reactors in 2028. Uh, and then from 2030, we expect to have the assembly line production up and running. And we should be able to deliver hundreds of reactors. That is just, see, this is not pie in the sky anymore, Thomas. This is, you got some stuff that's right there. I am so excited for you, and I hope you don't mind if I just keep uh, tabs on you, and if I can help get the word out there for you anytime, please reach out. We got about one more minute here, two more minutes. Tell me your last thoughts. 
what's on your mind from Copenhagen and tell me what you're thinking. Yeah, I mean, we in Copenhagen Atomics, we would really like to spread the word. I, I, I explained to you already that what yeah. we have built is a waste burner because it can take spent fuel from existing reactors and, yeah. and burn that and reduce the, the waste profile. Uh, but what is also really important uh, to notice here is that this is a new type of nuclear reactor. It's a, right. called a thorium breeder reactor. And, and what is important about that is uh, once you have a breeder reactor, it's, it's a type of reactor that generates more fissile fuel than what it consumes. So right. we start on this we start on this cocktail of spent fuel. But right. then once the process get up and running and start producing this uranium-233, which is right. an excellent fuel, then we can actually continue to run this for you know, 100 years or more without adding any new fuel. So every time we start one reactor, we only need to add thorium for the next 100 years. It will just continue to run. And thorium, many people don't know this, but thorium right. is an element that we get from mining. And we already get so much uh, thorium out of the grind, ground from existing right. mines around the world that we could cover all humanity's energy needs. I mean, we, we don't even need to open new mines. Uh, and actually right now we're trying to get uh, a big order of, uh, of thorium, of uh, 5,000 tons of thorium, which right. we would use for the first uh, little more than 500 reactors. Wow, this is just cool technology. Thomas, again, thank you so much. I know your time is very precious and I just really appreciate you stopping by our podcast today. You're welcome. Uh, your contact information is going to be out there because I think you're going to be one of the important uh, discoveries coming around the corner here. Thank you very much. Thank you, too, and have a great day. Uh, thanks.